What is always in front of you, but can't be seen. The future. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 91 of Starting Sustainability. I am your host, Kaylin Chenoweth. Like I said last week, I'm recording this a week in advance because I'm currently on vacation this week. Don't worry, I'll be sure to share all of my adventures and catch up with you next week. Well, I am out and about doing who knows what out in nature with my siblings because I'm sure we're getting into all sorts of chaotic, crazy mess. (laughs) I do have a very nice recorded interview lined up for you. My guest is Sarah Goody, youth activist. Listen in to hear her story on how she went from attending climate change marches to leading them. Here it is. The world is going down the toilet and some kids are trying to do something about it. Recently honored by Prince Harry and Prince William, Sarah Goody has international recognition surrounding the work she's doing. What exactly is that work? Sarah is on a fight to save the world one climate strike at a time. She has led over 40,000 people at the San Francisco climate strike. She's also founder of Climate Now and Broadway Speaks Up, which has received accolades from Lin-Manuel Miranda, Kristen Bell, and Ben Platt. Her passion for environment inspired her work as a youth council member at numerous organizations, including Greening Forward before founding Climate Now, created to empower young people to take action. Please welcome Sarah Goody. Hello and welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you so much for having me here today. All right, so your whole thing is that you are a youth activist. So we're gonna hit start off with the hard, heavy question of how old are you? <laughs> yes, uh, I am 16 years old. I actually just uh, finished my sophomore year of high school last week. So yep, 16 high school student and I've, been doing this work for about five years now, ever since sixth grade, when um, my science teacher, she presented a unit all about climate change and really got me passionate uh, about saving our environment and about looking at the ways that climate change would impact our community. And ever since then, I've been on an avid fight to help our planet and reduce our global carbon emissions. Wow. I kind of knew a little bit about climate stuff when I was in sixth grade. Okay, let's be honest, even when I was in 10th grade, but not to the extent (laughs) that you know about it. So that must have been a very impactful teacher. Do you want to give her a shout out? (laughs) Yes. So uh, (laughs) Miss Newbern was my my sixth grade science class. And I remember going into the class knowing absolutely nothing about climate change. And she said that we would be doing a one month study and deep analysis into what climate change was, what rising carbon emissions were, and how it was impacting our own community uh, in the San Francisco Bay Area. So it, it was during that unit that I started to tie together that climate change, it, it isn't just something of the future. It's something that we're dealing with in the present day. And it's something that impacts every single aspect of our life. Uh, growing up in Northern California, wildfires have always been a pretty uh, monumental part uh, of living here. I. I remember from the youngest age, holding all my stuffed animals together every single night, being super hot, but not caring because I I thought if I had to evacuate at a last 
minute, at least I would be able to save, <laughs> save my stuffed animals uh, and take them out with me. And, you know, I, I've had school dances canceled because of wildfires. I've been sent to the hospital year after year for my asthma and the smoke and just the toxic air that we're breathing in. So this is something that I've, I've really uh, grew up living with. We, me and my family recently visited our old house up in uh, Calistoga in California and the house is completely gone. And we, we connected with some of our neighbors, all of whom had to evacuate during some of the latest fires. So, you know, these fires always seem really normal to me. And I think it was in that class and it was this teacher, Miss Newburn, that really started to show me that that wasn't normal. And that because our temperatures were rising, that was really fueling uh, these catastrophic fires and other uh, so-called natural events that we were seeing all over the world. And I really started to put two two and two together and, and saw that this was my generation that was going to be the most impacted by climate change. After all, we have until 2030 before the worst impacts of climate change uh, can be reversed. So it was just this, you know, kind of coming together, seeing all of these impacts and being really angry that I hadn't known about it before that really kind of took me on that path to becoming a climate activist. I will say that it was really difficult at first, just trying uh, to find my way and navigate uh, through this world that is climate activism, even just going and trying to do more individual research on my own after school, everything seemed like it was geared towards an environmental scientist or someone who had a degree or a major in environmental science, or I've been studying this for years and years. So, you know, I, I think I really took that experience and really used it as a way to refine my mission and refine the ways that I was going to impact other children as I, I continued doing this work. Wow. Just hearing your story. I grew up in Indiana where we have tornadoes and that's a normal thing for us. And then I lived in Florida for a few years where hurricanes were quite the event. So uh, total opposite of fires, but I, man, my heart goes out for you. That stinks to be terrified all the time of knowing that my house might catch on fire. You know, that's absolutely terrifying. So I totally relate with being scared, just not to that extent. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow, that's just crazy. So when you learned about this in sixth grade, that's, that's kind of what kickstarted you to learn and educate yourself. What was the moment where you went from learning to actively being involved in fighting and going to demonstrations and strikes? For the rest of sixth grade, I, I kind of use it as a time to just learn more about this issue. And uh, about maybe towards the end of sixth grade, I started volunteering with an organization called Greening Forward. While I was doing some of this research and watching documentaries, I learned about this organization, uh, which is Greening Forward, which works to give out environmental scholarships and grants to schools and clubs who are working on different uh, environmental advocacy projects, anything from uh, getting a beekeeping club together at their school to getting their school to switch to 100% renewable energy. So I started volunteering with that organization and from there, that's where the that action really came to be. Uh, in 2019, I was sent out to lead a summit in New York with Greening Forward. And that's where I started learning about the Fridays for Future movement uh, and everything that was going on with the climate strikes and with Greta Thunberg. And I met up with some climate strikers who were there in New York uh, for their 18th strike outside of the United Nations. And for anyone that doesn't 
doesn't know the Fridays for Future strike is a campaign and a movement that was started by Swedish teen uh, Greta Thunberg, who I'm sure many people have heard of. Uh, she started striking outside of the Swedish parliament one day and saying uh, that why should I study for a future that's not going to exist? And I, what was so impactful about her action was that it was it was something that wasn't anticipated and it was something that was uh, kind of out of the ordinary. And I think that's what drew so many people to her story and uh, what made her really um, interesting and able to connect with. So young people started taking that idea of a school strike uh, to places all over the world, which is where I found some of those students who were striking in New York. And when I was striking with them, I was just so inspired by the change that they could create just for sitting on the side of a building for one hour, the amount of people that would come by that would interact with them, uh, that would start talking about climate change just uh, was absolutely mind blowing. And I knew that I had to bring that back to my own community. So from there, you know, that's, I, I think where the tides really started turning and I started, you know, taking action, organizing locally, started uh, my journey as a climate striker where I striked outside of San Francisco City Hall for over 50 weeks and worked with other young people around me to organize bigger climate strikes like that September 20th strike where we led over 40,000 young people. Uh, and, and from there, the work only grew. So you, you might've said it and I might've missed it. When was, when did you transition from being involved with the strikes to actually leading them? When, what was your first one and what was that like? My, the first strike that I led on my own was in eighth grade. So I volunteered with Greening Forward through sixth and seventh grade and worked with other organizations at the time. But the first time I really took that individual initiative and went off on my own starting something new was when I was in eighth grade. And when I was in New York, after I striked with them, came home the next week and said, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm just gonna go for it. So my dad drove me into the city. I had a uh, sign that said school strike for climate. And I went out to San Francisco City Hall. I sat on the steps and, and just sat there with my sign and started asking, going up to people and trying to talk to them about what climate change was. And it was, you know, a very interesting experience. I was super scared because you know, I was missing school. I didn't really know what was going on. I was like, there were police around me. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I doing something wrong? Everyone was, you know, there were lots of wedding parties around trying to get past me to go up uh, to the city hall. So it was just, you know, so many different people. But what I found, you know, so empowering and so moving about that experience was it finally felt like, uh, I could do something on my own and that action could matter because I was having people coming up to me and I was seeing the reactions on their face and I was feeling like I was actively participating in this movement and that I wasn't a part of the problem anymore. I was a part of the solution. All as an eighth grader, that is <laughs> mind blowing. I'm trying to remember what my life was like in eighth grade. I think I just did a bunch of sports. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but hey, you know what? I'm glad that you got an early start to this and I'm going to give advice to all the listeners out there. It's never too late. So props to you for getting quite an early jump compared to the rest of us, but it's never too late to make a difference. Never, ever, ever. But I do want to know, since my high school was all sports and activities, do you still do additional sports and activities and clubs or is this like your full-time focus? Um, I, I do. I do other activities. And I honestly don't know how I would be able to do so much of this climate work if I didn't have other outlets and other passions on the side. And I've learned over time that, you know, when I invest myself completely and don't do anything else, and sometimes I, I face burnout during my freshman year of 
high school, that was pretty much, I, I was only doing activism 24 seven on my computer, responding to emails, doing interviews, uh, working on creating curriculum, speaking to schools, running my organization. And I, I noticed that that was just kind of an unsustainable way for me to function. So I, I had to still be a teenager and kind of grapple with these three different lives, which is being a student, uh, going to high school, uh, being an activist and running and doing all the work that I do, and then just being a teenager and having a social life. So some other things that I'm really passionate about and I do on the side, I uh, run for my school's track and field team. I do tap dance and I've been dancing since I was two years old and has always been a big part of my life. I'm super, super passionate about Broadway and musical theater uh, and the creative arts. And I also just love to read and find so much, find myself spending so much time reading around and learning more, not only about climate change, but investing in time in some other books that are just, you know, interesting to read about, whether that's fiction or romance or any other type of novel that that just really appeals to me. And you do all this while still going to a physical school full time or are you doing homeschooling? <laughs> I am going in person seven periods, uh, five days a week to my local high school. Uh, obviously, that's changed a little bit with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, uh, it, it was actually a, a lot easier to, to manage activism in, in this world of COVID because since everything was remote, it was, you know, obviously timing was a lot more flexible. I kind of gained a few hours that I would usually spend getting ready for school or traveling to and from different places. Uh, so it, it was able to be a little bit more flexible, but we went back in person to school about, uh, I want to say like halfway through March and uh, kind of got <laughs> reacclimated to that situation then. Okay. So that's your secret. Cause I was like, man, this girl must be living 32 hours in one day. I don't know how she does it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, remote learning made it, made it definitely a lot easier, but I still now, and you know, before then I was doing a lot of this work, but still doing it, you know, while going to school full time and uh, doing all of my other activities, which, you know, can be really difficult, but I also learned to kind of manage my time really well and to prioritize different things. And you know, some of those hobbies that I listed, I, I don't do all the time. So I do some of them, you know, half of the year, some of them, the other half and kind of figure that balance out along the way. Okay. Well, that's good for the youth that are listening or even for the parents who have teenagers, what are some top actions that you can advise for youth to do to help fight climate change? I, I think the first and most important action is just being cognizant of the problem and being aware of what's happening to our planet, because how can we expect young people to go out there and to take action if they don't even you know, really understand the problem that's at hand and understand what's happening to our planet. So I think just uh, starting that with that awareness and, and learning about what climate change is, and, and then from there, looking at the ways that your own individual actions are impacting the planet, you can't necessarily control what the person next to you does, but you can control your own actions in the way that you think. Uh, so looking within your life and seeing where can I better improve my carbon footprint, maybe it's something like trying out meatless Mondays or switching to a more plant-based uh, diet. Maybe it's something like the committing to going zero waste for a month. Uh, it could be big. It could be small. Oftentimes people think that they have to go all in or it's all or nothing. But when it comes to these small changes, you know, e even if it's a little, uh, 
adaptation that you're taking or a little step or a little change that still matters. And oftentimes people say, well, you know, how am I going and taking a bus instead of a car to school or walking to school uh, instead of taking a car to school? How much of an impact does that really have? And I think on that aspect, you know, our individual actions are so impactful and so meaningful. And that's because they inspire other people and, and they also accumulate over time. So I would just really encourage taking that educational step and learning more about this issue, whether you're a young person doing that by yourself or doing that with friends and family or your parents. And then from there, taking those individual actions. And then, you know, what really helped me and um, got me really engaged in climate activism was just working with other people. So maybe it's something like getting involved in an organization. Maybe it's a uh, going to a local climate strike, maybe it's organizing a group of friends to go to a beach cleanup, you know, taking those individual and then group actions as well can be really impactful. That is really, really good advice. It's all about the little things for now. And then you can grow the more that you learn and the more involved you get. Yeah. What about youth or teenagers who have parents who are maybe just not as well aware of what's going on. So what advice do you have for those teenagers and how can they get their parents or the adults in their life more involved? I, I think, again, it really starts with that awareness. So trying uh, to help those people better understand the perspective that you're coming from and, you know, not going into a conversation uh, thinking that only your perspective is right and just trying to push what you uh, believe on them, being willing to compromise, being willing to listen to what they have to say to help them out uh, to kind of come to an agreement, even if there, there is little to agree upon. I think just, you know, finding that education, maybe it's putting on a documentary that you watch together, or maybe it's listening to an interview or a podcast like this together with that person in your life, just trying to find that common ground, trying to find uh, those points of agreement and just better understand the situation at hand that can lead to, to making taking action a lot easier. Wonderful. That is really good advice. Great job. You are so ridiculously busy and you've accomplished a lot already in the five years that you've been an activist, but what are your goals for the future? What is coming up next? <laughs> everyone, everyone always asks um, what I want to be when I grow up or what what's happening next. And I think, to be honest, I, I truly have no idea because Five years ago, all I wanted to do in life was to be on Broadway, was to do musical theater. And now today, my whole entire life outlook has changed so much. And, and it's a completely uh, different scenario that I'm in. So I can't say exactly what I'm going to be doing because I know that it'll change tomorrow. It'll change the next week and the next year. But I do know that whatever it is, I, I have learned that it has to be for a cause that's greater than myself. I don't think I'll ever be happy again if I'm not actively working to help other people, to help our planet and to contribute uh, in a different way to our society. Because you know, after doing all this activism, I, I just have this newfound appreciation for the people around me, for the communities um, who, who are in need and for our planet that is in such dire need of our help. But some of those more specific actions and specific things that I'm hoping for or that I hope to pursue um, might be, you know, continuing to work in the field of journalism. I've done a lot of collaborations with different media outlets uh, in order to raise awareness about climate change and also about mental health and the intersections that it that, uh, has with the climate movement. So really passionate about you know, seeing how I can do more in, in kind of that field and that network. I've also been really passionate about, you know, maybe writing a book or, or writing a teacher handbook for 
for teachers who are looking to educate young people about climate change or about other social justice issues. Um, other things, just continually uh, working with young people, growing Climate Now, growing the organizations that I work with and helping young people better understand not only climate change, but the power that their voice holds. I, I think those are all some really key concepts that will kind of determine my, my future. I'm just like in awe. I was like, wow, you are, <laughs> you nailed that question right on the head. You're like, life is changing every day. And I'm going to tell you a little secret. I'm in my thirties and I don't even think past more than one week at a time. <laughs> I'm like, I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants. Like when I started this right? podcast two years ago, I'm like, eh, I'll do like 10 episodes and see how it goes. And then I just kept coming up with ideas. And then you just, <laughs> every random little thing, I'm like, oh yeah, I should make an episode about that. And then now it's, it's grown and I'm still doing it two years later. I'm like, cool. <laughs> like, I'm just kind of, I think you almost have to have that approach of we're just yeah. going to make the impact wherever we can. And just whenever opportunities arise, you say yes. And you just go for it and just see where yeah. the wind takes you because you plan it all out. And all you do is stress out about it. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> if listeners want to stay up to date with what you're doing, where can they go? If anyone's interested in learning more about me and the work that I'm doing, I really encourage them to visit my personal website, which is sarah-goody.com, or to check out climatenow.solutions, which is the organization, uh, the website of my organization, Climate Now, and has tons and tons of resources that have been gathered by our Climate Now community and by other students. We have different websites and videos and articles to look at for both teachers and for students who are interested in learning more about climate change. We have a whole blog post section uh, that has different articles that were written by other young people about topics ranging from ocean acidification to regenerative agriculture uh, and just so much more information and opportunities on there. So uh, again, that website is climatenow.solutions. And then, of course, keeping in touch uh, over social media is another great way. You can follow me uh, on all social platforms at sarah.goody4. And staying in touch that way is great as well. So I really encourage if anyone's listening, anyone resonates with what I've said today, interested in learning more about climate change or about youth activism to check out those resources. Can you say it one more time? You said Sarah dot, if people want to connect with you, Sarah dot goody dot, and then it cut out just a little bit. Sorry. Uh, at Sarah dot goody four. Number four. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. All right. I thought <laughs> I, okay. So then it did say correctly. It's, okay. Sarah dot goody four. And I was like, I thought uh, there was yeah. more to it. Okay. It's <laughs> Instagram handles. Uh, Sarah dot goody is always taken. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> All right. Wow. That's pretty much all the questions. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about that maybe we didn't get to that you want to bring up now? I, I think just on a last ending point, like no matter who you are, no matter your age, no matter your identity, your gender, your race, you have something so important to add to this conversation about climate change and about other social justice issues. So just don't be afraid to speak up, to use your voice, uh, to talk about these issues with the people around you. I know I wanna hear what you have to say and I'm sure the world does too. That's a perfect ending to the interview. I can't talk that, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Before we go, if you care, I have created a little game. So would you be interested in playing this game with me? Yes, I'd love to. All right. It's more of like a trivia. So since you are a youth <laughs> activist, I have put a list of three other famous youth activists. So I'm going to describe them to you and we're going to see if you can name them. 
Ooh, I love How it. confident <laughs> are you feeling on a scale of one to 10? Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe like a six, seven. I, okay. I, 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 well, one I, of them, I, 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 one I, of them, you've already <laughs> dropped the name already. So I know, you know, at least one of them and there's only three questions. Okay. I'm, I'm sure I'll get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if at the end you want to edit all of this out and not put any of it on the podcast, just tell me and I just <laughs> won't put any of it on there. <laughs> Okay, perfect. <laughs> okay, question number one. This person was the target of an assassination plot by the Taliban leaders because she had been speaking out on education rights for girls since she was 11 years old. She was shot in the head while on a school bus when she was 15 years old. She survived her attack and became an activist for female education. She became the youngest Nobel Prize laureate in history in 2014. And in 2020, she finished her degree at Oxford University. Who is that? Oh my God, it's Malola. Yay! <laughs> All right. <laughs> you got it. Good job. You ready for number two? Yeah. At six years old, this person and her family began appearing on TV to speak about the challenges of growing up transgender. Currently at 18 years old, this person is an LBGT rights activist and co-founder of the Trans Kids Purple Rainbow Foundation, which aims to help transgender youth. She also founded the company Purple Rainbow Tales, where she makes rubber mermaid tails and raises money for transgender youth. She has frequently talked about the issues facing young transgender people, both on her YouTube channel and on her reality TV series, which has been going for six seasons on TLC. Is it Jazz Jennings? Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> okay, my confidence is going up. <laughs> I didn't realize that the word transgender was such a tongue tie until I just read it like six times in a row. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is getting tough for me to say. <laughs> okay, and the last one, which I'm very confident you know already because you got to meet her in person. So I'm very jealous, <laughs> but happy for you at the same time. <laughs> This person is a Swedish environmental activist who is internationally known for challenging world leaders. To reduce carbon emissions, she sailed from Sweden to North America, where she attended the 2019 UN Climate Action Summit. In 2019, she was Time Person of the Year and made Forbes list of the world's 100 most powerful women and has received three consecutive nominations for the Nobel Peace Prize, and she is currently 18 years old. It's Greta. Yeah. <laughs> 100% A plus for you. Yay. Three for three. You did it. Good job. Well, thank you again so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing all of your experiences that you've encountered so far. And I wish you the best of luck because you have many more to go. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure getting to talk today. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you again, Sarah, for sharing your incredible story. It's very, very inspirational, not only for other use, but for adults as well. It's never too late and we can all start making a difference right now. You know what that music means. It is time for our weekly challenge. And this week's challenge is, even if you're not looking to go vegetarian, try having a meat-free dinner at least once a week, consuming less meat helps reduce carbon emissions and gives you a chance to be creative with your cooking. This is something that we already do. I pretty much, I individually, 
go without meat most breakfasts and lunches. And then it's quite a challenge to get my husband on board when it comes to going meatless at dinner time. But I can usually sneak it in once, maybe twice a week. I'm sure this is something that you can do at home, whether you are an individual or married, living with your parents or your siblings, have a roommate, whatever. This is something that you can implement. Once a week is easy. Once a week can totally be done. And if you're already doing that, then up the challenge. Make it multiple times a week. Whatever works best for you and your situation. Thank you all again for listening to another episode. I'm always having a blast putting these together. And I'm so excited to come back next week for my vacation and tell you all of the shenanigans that my siblings and I did. Continue saving the world and I'll talk to you all again next week. Bye. Bye.